Hi, welcome to the show, Zach and Jen. My name is Zach, and I'm here with Jen today. And we are here to bring you some uh, bite-sized news and reports of uh, the Tokyo area in an informal and fun, energetic way. Uh, today is December 8th, and we are here to bring you a little bit of what happened this week. Hey, Jen, how's it going? Hey, Zach, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Ake ome. Ake ome. <laughs> how, was your, how was your holiday break? Um, it was good. It was short. I just had that four-day um, Eve, New Year's Day, and Saturday, Sunday off. So oh. it, was, it was refreshing, but yeah, pretty short. But I, I, then again, I haven't had a consecutive four-day off weekend for a couple of months, so it feels pretty pretty good what about you yeah mine was good i had yeah almost like two weeks or so uh it was it was really really nice really good to just kind of unwind from the crazy crazy year that we had and it was it was cool too because i was able to reflect on the year and and kind of think about what i want to get done for the for this coming up new year oh that sounds fun that sounds really nice and refreshing. I, I didn't get to do that yet, but I think I should. Yeah, I think I, I always love the end and beginning of the new year. Like it, it's so cliche and everybody does it, but it's like, you know, setting up like goals and, and, and refocusing. And so I, I definitely love the kind of energy that's around the new year uh, and the motivation. But whether or not that motivation lasts, you know, it's a whole different story. But I, I do love the the excitement around the new year. Yeah, I think some people got a little too excited, though. You know, everyone was like going, having, what what is the name of the year end party? No, Bonenkai? Bonenkai, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my, there's an office above above me in my building i'm pretty sure they had their bonenkai and there's it's a small company but yeah i feel like some companies still had their bonenkai and you know mm. gathering indoors and getting a little crazy so tell us about that what what happened from the end of the year you know, yeah gatherings. yeah so m- kind of moving into to corona news the end of the year, we saw numbers that are higher than ever before, of course. And actually, just this week, uh, we're looking at just the Tokyo area on Tuesday. The numbers were 1,278. On Wednesday, it was 1,591. And then Thursday, yesterday, it was over 2,000 cases. Oh my god. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I don't know the exact number, but it was well over 2000, so about 500 almost 500 more than it was the day before. And yeah, the numbers are just kind of really really skyrocketing right now. Um I think it's personally I think it's as you said, end of the year and probably people were a little less less strict in what they were doing and not staying home as much. So that's my opinion as to why it's getting higher. I think I think a lot of people stayed in Tokyo. They didn't go to their hometowns. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But because they weren't, you know, given that chance to go home, they were like, "Well, I'm just going to hang out with my friends. I'm going to go out. I'm sad this year. I'm going to do things." And yeah, that yeah. that makes sense. It would be mm-hmm. the end of the year explosion of cases. Yeah. So the numbers are really going high. The on on January fifth, in terms of the whole country, it was almost five thousand cases, uh, so it was the highest record for for Japan on January fifth. And Shigeru Omi, the head of the government's expert uh, COVID expert panel, says that that we're we're currently at stage four levels of the of the the COVID cases, and that's the highest level. And he's saying that. Even if we go into a state of emergency, it will take longer than a month to to, to bring that that level down. So, the the government's really looking at this as as something that's pretty pretty intense. And so, I believe as of today, the state of emergency will come into effect. 
January 8th, and I believe it's going to be four months until February 7th. And so, so I just wanted to take a minute to talk about what that really looks like because it's, it's huge. It affects all of us here in Tokyo and, and it's, it's starting from today. So let's take a look a little bit in what that looks like. So, oh, wait, is it just Tokyo or is it, um, it's not, it's the surrounding areas. So it's Tokyo, Kanagawa, Saitama, and Chiba. Okay, okay. So this this state of emergency is just going to be for Tokyo and then the three surrounding prefectures. So this this state of emergency is less expansive. So it's not going as far as like the whole country and it's not affecting everything. Mm -hmm. But so it's less expansive, but it's going to be more intense. So it's again, it's not affecting the area is not affected. The area is not as large and the number of businesses and things like that is not as large, but it's going to be a little bit more intense. So the government is really focusing down on eating and drinking establishments because that is what's been shown to be the highest, the, hi the highest contributor to cases. And so going back a little bit, if you don't know what a state of emergency actually means, so unlike a lot of other places like in Europe, the state of emergency is not a official lockdown. Because of the Japanese constitution, the constitution really protects uh, civil rights for people. So it's not the government is not allowed to force people to stay inside or do anything actually, uh, even businesses and things like that. So the state of emergency is not in any way a, a restriction or anything like that. It's really more of a of a of a recommendation or a a a suggestion. So the state of emergency basically allows for prefectural governors to to have the authority to make these 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 suggestions or the ha asking people to to stay inside. So. So again, it's nothing that anybody has to to follow. Actually, there are no consequences if you decide not to to stay inside. If you decide to go out, there's no consequences, no penalties at all. Uh, however, that might be changing. So we're going to be looking at that as well. But basically, this time, the the Tokyo Tokyo governor governor will be asking for eating and drinking establishments to close by 8 p.m. and asking residents to refrain from all non-essential outings by 8 p.m. So this this is everything excluding, of course, grocery shopping, uh, hospital visits, and commuting to and from work. Which they shouldn't uh, be commuting. <laughs> which they shouldn't be commuting, and I think that you have something to talk about that later, but... Um, this also for, for any kind of events, which I'm surprised that there are any events anyways, but uh, for events, capacities are limited to either half or limited to 5,000, whichever one is less. So yeah, so this is really the, the extent to the state of emergency here in Tokyo and surrounding areas. For the shops and restaurants that are that are asked to close by 8 p.m., if, if they do comply, the government is considering giving them... Uh, 60,000 yen, which is about $600 uh, for uh, kind of like a stipend for, for them closing. And so the government did this last time. I believe it was significantly less. I can't, re I can't remember the exact number. Um, but yeah, it's an incentive for these shops to close. 60,000 yen sounds like such a little amount. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like the first time it was even less, and so it was it wasn't very motivating for these stores and restaurants to close, especially for restaurants because, I mean, for alcohol sales alone, like they can make you know way more than that very easily. So it, it's it's been kind of I think a, a controversy, honestly, about how how much the government is giving them, it, but asking them to close as well. Um. As, as for companies and commuting, uh, the, the governor is asking companies to have about 70% or more of their staff working from home, obviously to, to minimize as much commuting as possible. And in terms of schools, uh, the governors will have the authority to ask schools to close, high schools, 
uh, to close high schools, I'm sorry, and then request private schools and elementary and junior high schools to close. Um, however, it, it, the government is not going to close them officially, which is very different from the last time. Uh, the last time clo- schools were closed officially and things like that, but this time it, it's kind of up to the, the prefectural governors um, as well. So, so as we can see, these, these measures are more focused this time and not so broad and blanketed like they were the last time. So, so sorry, let me just confirm that high schools will be closed, but junior and elementary schools will be requ- can only be requested to be closed. I I think that what it is is the governors can close the high schools mm-hmm. without necessarily re- requesting, but for private schools and elementary and junior high schools they just have to request. Is is what I is how I interpreted the article that I read. But I mm-hmm. think that that would have to be um looked into a little bit more, but but the biggest thing here is that that schools can remain open, which is going, which is quite different from the last time. I don't, it doesn't sound as intense. It sounds even more lax. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. I mean, to be honest though, I think that for the last time, there wasn't a lot going on. I mean, I don't even remember like what was really put into the state of emergency. Do you? Right. I guess I think I'm just comparing the schools situation. Like schools were were shut down for a while and people had to homeschool their kids. And I mean, aside from izakayas and restaurants closing at 10, now it's going to be eight. That seems more intense. Um, Yeah. I guess also the incentive is higher, so that's they're putting more effort into shutting down eateries and stuff. Yeah, I think that just the government and from the research that they've been doing, they've realized that schools are not a huge breeding ground for COVID, right? It's not a huge cluster, especially, you know, for elementary and junior high school students, that that age group is is not a, a very huge you know, statistically speaking, it's not a huge concern for COVID. It's definitely when you get past a certain age. I remember listening to a podcast about it. And from the research that has been done, the, the there's a certain age in which COVID actually kind of really affects the body. Whereas like for, for kids, especially, it's not a huge, it hasn't, doesn't have a huge effect on their body. I'm not really sure. But either way, mm-hmm. it's very obvious that now it's it's the this state of emergency is a lot more point pointed and and more focused which i think is good i think to have just blanketed okay nobody can go out for any reason and we're just closing everything down i mean it, it's effective but i think that being able to to really focus it down will not give that feeling to people that oh my gosh okay i can't do anything whereas like majority of cases come from eating establishments and staying out late and drinking and things like that. Like if we can kind of at least eliminate that and have a little bit of freedom, I don't know. To me personally, I think it's a little bit more freeing rather than saying, okay, I can't leave my house at all. Mm, Yeah. I mean, the fact that there's no fines given to anyone who violates it is obviously a positive thing for us. Not like yeah. not like me, but like, you know, for citizens, just because the law can be so, so strict, but also so gray, like, you you know, you don't really know what you'll be fined for. I'm speaking from stories I've heard about in Hawaii because they're, they find people if they're in pairs of two or if they're on the beach or and like the laws are changing all the time. And so they find people who are out for a walk for like $2,000. And I feel like if that were the case here, it would be it would be devastating. Like we live in a city already. So it's, it's, it would be terrible to, to not be able to go outside. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's, it's, it's interesting. Cause speaking about that, the, the government, again, not really having the, the power to impose penalties or anything like that. So 
because obviously of all of this, this COVID, the, this pandemic, the government is reevaluating the law and Suga, the prime minister, is going to submit a revision to this anti-coronavirus law, which will allow the government to actually impose penalties on businesses, businesses specifically. Mm. So right now, again, the government cannot impose any penalties like that. And then they are also going to governor, they're going to revise the law as well that governors will ask businesses to shorten uh, to shorten their hours and the ones that don't comply the government will be allowed to release the names of those businesses to the public so these are two revisions yeah yeah it's like throwing that throwing that shame throwing that shade um yeah but these are the revisions that they're also considering so it is gonna maybe get a little bit more strict but i doubt it will ever get as strict as like the the in Europe or in Hawaii or anything like that. Mm, okay. Um, speaking of shame, I did stumble upon an article where uh, I th- I'm reading here. The number is 9,500 COVID-19 patients in Fukuoka. Their private information was leaked online. And this is just a matter of a medical staff um, putting in the wrong email. So they're emailing the personal information, which included the full name, uh, registered prefecture, um, and uh, age and gender and stuff to, like, a random email um, in Fukuoka. And immediately the guy who received the email, like, contacted the task force, the um, the coronavirus task force, and he was... Uh, his uh, his access was denied. His per- her, his permission was denied. But apparently, you can access all of this information if you know the URL. You can just put it into a web address, and so th- I think that's why Japan's so scared about like cybersecurity and stuff. But have you? I just <laughs> this is so weird because have you actually seen like a Japanese person's email address? Uh, you mean like what it looks like? Yeah, like they're not like jennifer.awesome at gmail.com they're like softbank dash one two three four oh yeah panda kitty underscore one three five L. yeah you know it's like it's so long and crazy that i don't really blame the person for sending it to the wrong email uh-huh. address um but yeah apparently there was a there was a leak of of covid patients um and I was reading some of the comments of the article and they were saying like, oh, what's the big deal? Oh, no one can access this URL. And then someone had mentioned, well, if your name gets out, there have been reports of suicide um, for people who've had their name, their neighbors know that they have COVID and there's like such shame attached to that and stuff. Mm. And I was like, I, I didn't even think about that. And like, just you just realize how much shame is attached to society, which we knew. But um, yeah, it was it was an eye opener. So that was really sad to hear. Yeah. 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 I mean, Japan is so obsessed with privacy and personal information. And, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. Um, but this yeah i think i i don't know i I don't know how to feel about this like me personally i'd be like okay whatever i don't really care (laughs) but again i think that yeah japanese society and being in it really can affect your mental health yeah yeah i do want to touch upon like the security issue i did talk to a friend of mine and he was telling me he still goes into his office mm. and just to go back to, you know, the the commuting and working from home aspect that you touched upon. And when you're talking about COVID, um, he still goes into his office maybe three or four days a week. And he said he get he gets emails um, about people who've contracted COVID in his office building. And I'm like, why? Why do you still go? Why? Why do you have to go? They, you know, they should shut down your office building. He said, it's a security issue. You know, there's not enough laptop laptops to to give to everyone to work from home. And um, I was like, security? It's like, you know, you can hire cybersecurity people to, to make your firewalls or whatever stronger. And he's like, 
uh, no, Japan's very cautious, and and、mm. you know my company deals with trillions and trillions of dollars. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah、um, and then I looked at this article, and it said that in November, which was quite a while ago, ten out of ten thousand companies surveyed, only thirty percent、um, had work from home policies. And then twenty five percent that they had it early in the year, but they don't have it anymore. And then forty ish percent said they never introduced work from home policies. Wow! I know, isn't that that's like shocking to me? It's so much. It's pretty high. Yeah, that's. <clears throat> I mean, that's much higher than I thought it was. I thought that there were a lot more companies that were doing work from home. That was in November, though. Yeah, true. So maybe maybe they were doing it more. Like you said, twenty five percent said they were doing it earlier, but not anymore. But I mean, still forty percent saying that they never had work from home. I know. Like, I know. At least、um, with the new state of emergency company coming,、um, a couple companies are going to start to implement work from home. So I have the names of Mitsubishi, NTT, and KDDI. So they're going to start implementing measures for、mm. work from home, which is cool. Those are big, pretty big companies, but ne- there needs to be more. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that it was pronounced kitty. <laughs> oh, is it? I in, in my head, I always was like kitty, kitty. Okay, kitty.、Uh, That's cute. I, I'm gonna call it kitty from now. I'm gonna call it kitty. I'm gonna call it. I'm gonna call it kitty. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Wow. Okay. So that's not great. Um. Yeah. And I guess like, I mean, like I can't imagine working in an office right now anymore because I've been work from home for almost a year now. You as well. And yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to me to think that. That people need to go back into the office. I mean, I know that there are some, some people in some positions, but like that much, I don't know. But I mean, hopefully, hopefully things will kind of get back to normal. Especially because、um, I read about vaccines and and what the government is doing, and so I know that we that we saw an article before about. Japan's plan and and timeline for for vaccines,、mm-hmm. but I read this article here earlier this week. the The government、uh, NHK reported that the government is now stepping up their efforts to begin vaccines at least by late February.、N- yeah, and so like a lot of other countries, they are going to start with healthcare workers. First, then elderly people, and then people with underlying conditions,、mm-hmm. and then from there, I'm not really sure exactly what the plan is. But Pfizer, the the U.S. company that created the vaccine, or at least one of the vaccines, has been working with the government, and they applied for a fast track approval last month. To to try and get it approved as fast as possible, and then er- earlier though they had made a they made an agreement with the government to have sixty million people vaccinated by June. Okay. So we're looking at a timeline from about maybe March to June ish is when vaccines are going to start coming out, and hopefully. By summertime, things will be a little bit more eased. I don't expect, obviously, things to go back to normal or anything like that. But I, de- I assume, based on this information, that we can assume we can look at summer to be a little bit more relaxed than it is now. I hope so. I love summer. <laughs> I know, I know, and it, and it, it's it's great timing and all. But like, if you think about it. By summer and things kind of going back to normal. I mean, like that's over a year of us living in this pandemic, which is crazy to me. I know. Hopefully, I'll get that year back. Maybe in my nineties. <laughs> it won't be the same, though. You're not going to be young. We're we're at our peak time. Like <laughs> you know, this is this is the the, the time. But but hey, I mean, what can we do?、We、can't do anything about that. But. It's it's hopeful and and it makes me happy that okay maybe by summer we'll be able to to go out and enjoy the nice weather. I hope so. I I definitely hope so. That that's good news. I think definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, like, it, it, it does make it easier when we have to be inside, but it's, like, so cold outside. Oh, gosh. That it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, I mean, it's fine. I guess I'll stay inside. It's not that huge of a deal. But, I mean, last year when it was, like, summer and it was so nice and good outside, like, you just want to go out, but can't. <laughs> um, lately, the meme that's been stuck in my head um, is... It's really old. Is that meme of like Kim Kardashian, like just sitting in bed with the covers up to her neck and just like her eyes open, just like. <laughs> yeah, out. yeah, yeah. That's how I feel every time. Like the I'm just waiting there for my room to fill up with uh, warm air, or like uh-huh. I look in my AC remote, my heater remote is like across the room. I'm just like, mm. <laughs> like yeah, it's so cold, and it's just I need that mental preparation just to like sit there. And prepare for the day of just being cold. Like, the meme that is just my life. It's just me just sitting, just lying in bed with the covers up to my chin and just, like, staring up in the ceiling. It's so cold. I hate it. I know. I know. I I think, I feel like that that's such a good representation, though, of, like, the entire year, this past year and everything. It's just lying in bed and it's like, what's the point? (laughs) (laughs) They're just inside. Yeah, yeah. Um, even if the vaccines come out next summer, do you think the we're going to have the Olympics? I don't know. I mean, I think we've talked about this in another another episode, but looking at this timeline, I mean, okay, so June, we're going to have about 60 million people vaccinated. I guess it just depends on other countries and how the vaccine is going there because, I mean, by... The the Olympics is what end of August, so right. It might yeah. be cutting it close, to be honest. So in my my opinion, it's hard to tell. I know that people are already talking about it, saying like, "It's what are you doing? It's not possible because the government is so just like, all right, two hundred days until the Olympics and da da da, <laughs> like all this stuff." And people are like, "What do you mean da da da?" But I mean. In my mind, it could be possible, but I think it's, like, super close. Okay. So, apparently, the Olympic torch exhibitions, which I did not know was a thing, um, became postponed. It was on display, and then it's stopping on display from Thursday of this week because of the state of emergency. So, it's no longer on display. But I saw a picture in the article that was of the giant Olympic rings in Odaiba. Mm. Did you know that they were there? No. Yeah. But have they always there. been there? Or they put they... them up oh. they put them up, yeah. Um uh in August. Oh, okay. No. I mean I haven't been to Old Daiba probably since August, so True, true, yeah. Wow, well, so uh, interesting you bring this up. I did listen to a podcast, uh Stuff You Should Know. We we love Stuff You Should Know, by the way. I love Stuff You Should Know. Uh, if you guys are listening, hi, we love your podcast. Hi. <laughs> But uh, they did a podcast. They did an episode on the Olympic torches. It's pretty interesting um, and kind of like the history behind it and basically how you can like apply to make it and stuff like that. And like what are all the requirements for making a, a torch? Because, you know, like companies like design companies and stuff have to like submit a proposal to the Olympic committee and, and then they get chosen like, okay, you, you all will make the, the torch for this one and things like that. So it's like, it's like a, a nice honor or whatever. And like, there's like all these requirements, like it has to like run on this certain fuel and it has to be recyclable in this way and things like that. But, um, but anyways, it's really interesting, but, uh, have you seen a picture of the, the Olympic torch for this year? No, I haven't. I won't. Uh, it's nice? really really pretty yeah it's like it, it's it's kind of like um like the color is like rose gold and if you look at it from the top it it's the shape of like sakura like cherry blossoms oh. it's really cute oh my goodness yeah it's so much smaller than i thought yeah, they're not, I don't think, yeah, I, I don't know if there was any, like, size requirements or anything like that. I don't remember that. But, yeah, like, you, and you can see how, like, the flames come out of each of the, the circles that make this uh, make up the sakura, right? Oh, I, 
I can't really tell from uh, the pictures, but yeah, it looks really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really really cute. Um, but yeah, if you if you have time, go check out stuff you should know and check out their podcast on Olympic torches. It's pretty interesting. Do they talk about the twenty twenty um, Olympic torch? Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So they talk about it a little bit, um, and they're t- they talk about how like you can you can buy old olympic torches like people sell them um i mean obviously they're really expensive but but yeah and they talk about different ones from different years and things like that so it's pretty interesting and then also like how how they're they like carry them and you know how they have the the torch passings and things like that and like how and like how the last person to to carry it and like actually light light the flame or whatever like it's always a secret of like who it is and usually it's somebody very famous or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and they, and they also talk about the, the history behind the flame and, and the, the mythology behind it and everything. It's really cool. Is it? And how like, is this, hmm? is it, is the flame always burning? Like, is this flame from ancient Greece? Well, yeah. So uh, I, I can't remember exactly. So I don't want to say, but from what I think, is that i mean obviously it's not like been burning from ancient times but the flame is always burning and that's a requirement as well as like you have to figure out a way for the flame to always be on mm. um and and it's more more figuratively so there apparently there was like one year when i think it was the winter olympics that was held in canada and and the flame has to go from athens to wherever the olympics are it has to travel that way and so i'm not exactly sure like how they do it every time but for this time apparently it was like or maybe it was spain it was either canada or spain can't remember but they did they did a little trick where they they got the flame to a specific spot and then they they beamed up like the the flame information or whatever to a satellite above and then like shot it back down to a different place and so then that place lit the flame so it's like like quote like it technically was like sent up into space and then came back down even though obviously the flame didn't go up there but like you know they shot like a information up to a satellite and then shot it back down to another place for it to move over there huh, interesting so it's you not know, like so it's like sourdough like that's what i'm thinking like you know that sourdough. famous like you can use the starter and keep on uh, using no. it oh Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sourdough. Yeah, yeah. Like normal. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you meant like shooting it up into space and stuff. I was like, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously. So it's like the, yeah, I guess the flame itself obviously is not like always there, but like figuratively it has to always be there or something. I'm not really sure. Just listen to the podcast and then you'll know. But <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I listened to this a while ago, like months ago. I'll so. Yeah, it was it was really interesting. So, I mean, it's got a little bit of, of of mythology in there and history and and then Olympics. But cool. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. And then I also read about in Hiroshima. Um, have you heard of the Itsukushima Shrine? You know, it's the very famous Tori, the 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 Shrine Gate oh, that yeah. sits in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never been there, but I wanted to go. Yeah, so it's really cool. It's 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 in Hiroshima, but it's a, an island off of Hiroshima, so you have to take a, a, a boat to get there. Um, and then you you can see the tori, and at different times when the tide is in and, t- and the tide is out. If the tide is out, then you can actually walk over to it and see it. Um, every time I've been, though, the tide has been in, so I... I couldn't walk to it but anyways that tori has been there since 1875 and has been really kind of exposed to the elements since then and right now it's going through restoration construction Mm -hmm. and and they have this the the wood they have scaffolding all around it and it's wooden and everything like that and people are kind of like obsessing about it right now because in the evening and at night they light up the scaffolding and so it kind of looks like golden kind of 
it, it looks very nice. Like if you click on the link there that I have, you can see a picture of it. And because it's like in the water and everything, like it looks pretty cool. So people are people are kind of kind of um, enjoying that site because there's no shrine to see. There's no shrine, or at least the the todi, there's right? No you gate, can't yeah. see the todi. No yeah, you can't see the gate, but the scaffolding kind of like adds this new element to it for now i see oh actually i think i saw that they don't have an end date for that right so i can't plan a trip to go right. and see the gate but i can go and plan a trip to see the scaffolding right right <laughs> yeah so the i think it started like cup or back in august or something but they don't know when it's going to finish oh, right okay. you're right darn, darn it I wish I saw it. I know, <laughs> I know, but it still looks pretty cool. Um, I'm sorry, yeah. So the, the so the so it actually has been this way for almost two years now. It started two summers ago. What? Yeah. So actually, that's been quite a while. Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and then they don't know when it's going to finish. Right. So um, next is. Something that I think affects all of us, Zachary. Oh, I think it affects me the most. <laughs> so, 7-Eleven is going to double the shelf life of their onigiri rice balls. Yes! <laughs> um, why, you ask? Um, it's their initiative to try and reduce food waste, which is so awesome, because just think how much food waste there is in every single kombini. Because did you know that 7-Eleven does not use any preservatives? that's good I mean, that's good yeah yeah that's really in their in their like um their fresh foods not not their instant ramen or anything like that but i mean that's great i love that yeah but it's not great i guess for food waste right <laughs> yeah so right now the original uh the shelf life of an onigiri is which is a rice ball everyone who doesn't know but if you live in japan you probably do um is 18 hours and 7-Eleven wants to extend it to one and a half to two days. How, you ask? Do you ask how, Zachary? How? <laughs> um, so, like I mentioned, they don't want to use preservatives. They have no plans in the future to ever use preservatives. Um, but they're thinking of increasing the nitrogen in packaging. And I was like, wait a minute, there's nitrogen in packaging? So I had to look it up and I, and I saw there's like food grade safe nitrogen and if there's certain amounts and it's fine so they're just gonna they're thinking of other packaging options and one of it is increasing the nitrogen in the packaging so yeah that might happen what does that mean for the food though like why is it nitrogen that keeps it fresh um it just sucks all the oxygen out it like oh. it replaces the oxygen which causes moisture and mold and stuff so food grade oh. nitrogen is safe for the body in safe amounts so i was reading a u.s article so it has like regulations and fda and stuff but japan is a little more strict about food than it is than the u.s in my opinion because our expiration dates are much earlier and no yeah you know, for sure like that. so for sure. i think it'll be fine i don't I mean that kind of maybe maybe it's just a Tokyo thing and and other places is different but like I never really see like especially at the end of the day like all the food is gone you know I I, don't, I never see like just food just being there all the time I mean I'm sure I'm sure maybe the collective amount of food that's left over is really large but in terms of just the individual kombinis like it's not a lot, but I guess it adds up. That's true. Only the really, only the onigiri that I don't like are left over. So. Mm. Well, I love kombini food and onigiri, so this makes me really happy. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully they'll they'll be using a lot of tuna and fish because the. An article that I read about Toyosu's famous first of the year auction kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. they, the, the Toyosu fish market. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, yeah, I guess it was two years ago. I remember when it was like big news that the, the guy who, who runs um, Sushi Zammai, mm -hmm. 
uh, Kiyoshi Kimura. Oh, that guy who's who in the pictures. Yeah, and he's like the the fat guy, and he's like <laughs> happy looking, and he's like got his arms out, and he's like, "Welcome, yeah. come eat my sushi." <laughs> um, yeah, I remember this. He uh, bought that huge, huge uh, bluefin tuna, and it was over three hundred and thirty three million yen. Wow. 333 million yen. Now, Toyosu had their auction this year, uh, and the most expensive tuna was sold at only 20, almost 21 million yen. Oh my gosh. Why? Yeah. Just no buyers. So, not a lot of buyers. Yeah. So, they, they interviewed um, Kiyoshi Kimura, and he just said that because of the pandemic, like, things are a lot more. A lot less, a lot less now. Like they, mm. not as many people are buying and things like that. So just think about that. It was three hundred and thirty-three million. Now it was almost twenty-one million. Wow. And and then in twenty twenty, just last year, the the most expensive was one hundred and ninety-three million. So still not as much as that as two thousand nineteen, but still twenty twenty-one twenty million twenty-one million about that. I read was. Back in 1999 is when they fir- when they first started recording the 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 amounts how how the price of the 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 largest tuna the most expensive tuna uh, was in 1999 and so the price of 21 million yen was in in eighth place. So back in 1999, 20 million yen it was in eighth place. And that was number one this year. So it just shows just just how much the market has gone down. Um, should we move on to events? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you you know about this. Is uh, we mentioned it before, but no one heard it. It was the um, life size Gundam. <laughs> Why? Why didn't nobody hear it, Jen? Why? Um, Why did you tell the audience where our episode was last week? I'm just me kidding. and Zach have a secret episode that you can unlock after you've listened to us uh, for ten episodes. No, it was our second. Join episode. our Patreon <laughs> and I <laughs> Patreon and I. Uh, I lost that recording of me because I was learning the ropes and. Um, we have just footage of Zach because Zach and I are doing this remotely. So, um, we just have foot <laughs> listening to Zach. Yeah. If you, could, to nothing. if you want to just listen to me, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So in, in that show, in that episode, we mentioned the, uh, the, uh, the opening of the life-size Gundam in Yokohama. So that was on December 18th and it's a giant beep. A Gundam like it's 18 meters tall and it actually moves like people this is not the Daiba Gundam that you know and love it's bigger and better and more bad beep you're gonna love this one even more yeah yes do you like Gundam um I mean no I've never not saying I don't like it but I've never watched it I don't know anything about it the only thing I know about Gundam is that whenever I told people, you know, what my name is, Japanese people, and they're like, oh, what's your name? Zach. And then they would say, oh my gosh, like Gundam. Apparently there's a Gundam that's named Zach. Mm, Zaku. So that's the only thing that I know about Gundam. So if you're listening, please write in and let us know what is Zaku. Who is Zaku? Well, the the Yokohama one is the original Gundam and is open until March 2022. So we have time to go visit. Um... And it's only about 16,000 yen, uh, 1,650 yen, about $16 to go see it. And apparently every 30 minutes, the uh, movements are coordinated. So they change by like some technicians in a remote control room somewhere, hopefully in the head of the Gundam. I hope they're there. Just like That would be cool. I know, I know. <laughs> I wish we could go in the head, you know? Yeah. And see what it looks like inside. Apparently there's an observation deck uh, that you can go up to the top and be eye level with the head. But um, mm. that one's been booked out through the end of the year. And I haven't read a new update about it. But uh, it costs... Through the end of this year? No, 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 no. no. Sorry, through the end of last, last year. year. And, oh, okay. Uh, it was a little more expensive than the regular admission. So, yeah. I don't, I don't mm. know if I would do that. Um, mm. But, yeah. 
Also, I'm just mentioning a lot of like outdoor things. I think my goal during COVID is to like do as many outdoor things as possible. So just a disclaimer, yeah. like the events I choose to tell on these episodes are mostly things that you can do outdoors because there are a lot of things you can do indoors. You can go like museums and art, art exhibits and right. stuff. But for some reason, I just go. I just really stray away from that. And I only mention like outdoor things. For some reason. For some, for some unknown, mysterious <laughs> Some looming reason. reason. I don't want to go inside in crowded places. <laughs> Not really sure why, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, to be more up to date, there is a... Not in Tokyo, but in Kyoto, there's a Demon Slayer train. Um, <laughs> sorry. Mm. Kimitsu no Yaiba. Not, not like a, a train that slays demons, but it's a... <laughs> It's a train that opened on December 26th last year, and it's until March 14th. And it's the train just like the Mugen train from the movie Demon Slayer Kimetsu mm. no Yaiba, the movie Mugen Train. Have you seen that? Are you, a, are you a Demon Slayer fan? I haven't seen it. I, I watched, like, the first episode, and it seemed okay, uh, but I... I don't really know. Yeah, I have no idea. All I know is that it's just super popular. Yeah. I wonder why. I don't know. I've heard so many mixed reviews. Like, the new Yakusoku no Nebarando movie was better. Oh, yeah. Um, But, um, yeah, I'm not, you know, you and I aren't really big fans of, of anime and manga. Yeah. So, but this one is, is yeah. huge. Just, like... Kimi no Nawa or something. Yeah, Kimi no Nawa. Like, some animation films get super huge here and you can't avoid it so right right yeah, right this is yeah. one of them mm, so that maybe i'll have to give it a a watch and yeah. then go to kyoto and ride the train yeah so it's like a train like in the there's a this train that's in the movie and then they just recreated it yeah yeah so there's um three places that are gonna have the train the kyoto railway museum toei kyoto mm. studio park and the arashiyama station um, for the Randen tram. So this is like a moving train. You can go in and they have like the oh. the narrator. There's like something over the speakers that's in the voice of the main character of the movie. And they have like poster oh. boards um, in the movie. So there's like some pictures of little kids who've dressed up um, and gone into the train and enjoyed the, you know, all the memorabilia from the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Okay. A New Year's thing is, have you heard of the Seven Lucky Gods Pilgrimage? <gasps> is that the thing where you walk to the different, like, shrines and temples? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, um, yeah. Apparently, for the first 10 days of the year, you can join a local tradition <gasps> in oh. visiting shrines of the Seven Lucky Gods. Oh, um, snap. We have two days. Quick, let's go. <laughs> I know. There's apparently different courses, uh in tokyo so it's yanaka nihonbashi and shinagawa and it's mm. like a solo thing you don't go on a it's not like a tour you don't pay for anything you just go when you find mm. the map online and you go with mm. friends or you walk by yourself and you you yeah. pay homage to the seven lucky gods on this pilgrimage wow yes i did see a friend on instagram that did that and and you you can like get like stamps you know so oh. You know, like how they have the the stamp books and, you know, wh wherever temples you go or whatever. Um, yeah. You can do that, I think. Oh, that's cool. That sounds fun. Let's do that. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, another fun thing that I want to do is uh, the Fuji-Q Highland Crystal Lagoon Rink. So I, I want to go on, on a ice skating this, Ooh. you know, while while there's ice rinks but this rink is huge it's 3,800 square meters it looks so fun it's open mm. from today january 8th until february 28th um, perfect so it's really cold but i've been to fujiki once and the view was gorgeous like we went up mm. this ferris wheel and you could see fuji mount fuji and it was just oh my gosh it was gorgeous so i would love to you know skate around in an ice rink and also do that gorgeous Gorgeous. Also, there's another. Um, there's other ice rinks in Tokyo. Yokohama, Yokohama Red Brick Warehouse is not in Tokyo, but it's in Yokohama. And uh, Roppongi Midtown, which is in Roppongi Midtown. So, of course, yes. <laughs> I was curious about where that was. 
I know you couldn't really tell, but I couldn't. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't explain. really know. Mm, mm, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, one last thing I really I also want to go to because I've never been here, but I want to is a Taiwan festival. Ooh. Oh, mm. <laughs> I was going to say, how are you going to Taiwan? But yeah. Oh, okay, so we can experience a little bit of Taiwan here. Mm-hmm. Without leaving the country, we can go to Tokyo Tower, and there's a mm-hmm. Taiwan festival from January third, so last week, until the eleventh, so next week, Tuesday. This Sunday. Monday. Monday. Next week, Monday. Yeah. Oh, because of the holiday. That's right. Yeah, and it's open air. It's in the south entrance of the Tokyo Tower. And yeah, let's do that. I've I've never been to Taiwan, but I wanted to go. A typhoon a couple of years ago totally messed up my plans for that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Taiwan's fun. So I would. I'm curious to see how they, how they do it. I just want some oolong fa. I don't know what that is. What is that? It's like the the, the stewed beef that's on rice. Oh, that sounds so good. Lo lo. What is it in Japanese? Lo lu. Lolu, fun. I don't know. Anyways, it's uh, yeah, it's like the the beef the beef dish, right? You know the the beef dish on on rice. Oh, okay. It kind of rings a bell. I don't know how it's pronounced, but the spelling, yeah, la rue fun yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. La, Anyone la, who's lolu lo, 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 fun or something like that. Yeah, we're, we're butchering it. Let's just. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yeah. Sorry, we don't speak Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that's uh, those are some things you can do this week, and I'm excited to do some of these things. These these they seem fun. I'm I yeah I definitely want to do the the seven lucky gods pilgrimage. Yes, yes, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And I guess ending on that, thank you so much for listening. Um, happy New Year again, guys. This has been such a weird year, and mm-hmm. an even weirder year, uh, twenty twenty one to start. Um, I we didn't talk about anything happening in the u.s but this is a a, a podcast about japan specifically coming from tokyo japan um maybe next time we'll we'll talk about things abroad if it gets even more crazy which i can't believe it'll happen but who knows (sighs) yeah who knows (laughs) um so yeah thank you so much for listening tune in once a week for us to go over the news um if you want to reach us for uh you know, to let us know how we're doing, any topics you want us to talk about, then please email us at Zach and Jen Japan. That's Zach with a CK and um, Jen with one N at gmail.com. And follow us on Spotify or Google Podcasts or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Make good choices. Be safe out there and talk to you soon. <laughs>